the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. I'm Chip Patterson. You're about to hear Barton Simmons, and you are about to hear some real-time reaction live to the news that the Big Ten has decided to go to a conference-only schedule. So what we're doing is we're going to take that portion of the conversation. We've got it right here at the beginning of the show, and then you're going to hear the show start again uh, with some conversation about the, the Ivy League and with some conversation from the mailbag, the great questions that you've sent in. We talk about Oregon's recruiting class. Uh, we talk about what happens if football is moved to the spring, but we wanted to get you that bit of breaking news here, uh, emergency podcast style. So first, our live in-the-moment reaction to the breaking news about the Big Ten moving to conference-only schedules, and then the rest of the mailbag. It's kind of breaking news right now. Uh, we might as well address it because uh, it looks looks pretty legit. Uh, I, I think there's the only person reporting it. I, if, if someone else reported it first, apologies. Nicole Auerbach from The Athletics is reporting, the Big Ten is expected to announce today that it will go with a conference-only football schedule for this fall. Wow. For, um, so that's, that's pretty, and so that means Ohio State, Oregon, eh. Michigan, Washington, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Penn State, Virginia Tech, all would be gone. So may have to wait a little longer for that win totals pod. <laughs> I mean, got a few things to sort out. So, well, Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, thoughts, Barton? Breaking news. I mean, well, I guess I guess we could label this an emergency podcast at this point. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so th- th- what, well, first of all, it this just strikes me as a matter of time then to where that this I would imagine we we we're looking at a conference only season. Yeah. Um. And I wonder. I just wonder how how mobile and adaptable things are to where hey maybe if it's a conference only season is there a way we can you know create a um more of a playoff type of system at the end of the year can you can we cobble that together um or or the bowl is just so unflinching that we have to sort of stick with the same routine i don't know i mean probably not but um I've got to think that the bowl system is going to be tested just by the fact of we're doing conference only. Uh, if we're only doing conference only schedules and if we are playing limited schedules, then you can't go with the same bowl eligibility rules. You're going to try to maintain the same 
uh, relationships with these bowl games, but I would imagine that some of these bowl games also might find it tough to uh, might might find it tough to function. You know, like we might have a year where a lot of the many many bowl games aren't going to be able to be played. Yeah, and we've been talking about this too in terms of how it relates to the playoffs, like the idea that some team might have a twelve game season, some team might have a ten. I mean, if if just we just do a conference only, then we're gonna just automatically have teams that have nine game seasons versus eight. Um, so there's, you know, there's that element in play as well. Um, just the, the scheduling inequality. Um, I, this is, I don't know. I don't know. This is, uh, I, I mean, I, this kind of felt like where we were going, right? Like this is, it's, it sort of, I was, I'm surprised it's popping this, this soon, but, I feel like that's what the tea leaves have been reading here for a little bit. It is a way to buy time. If you're doing a conference only schedule and then it is, it, you could space it out. It leaves time for games to be rescheduled. It leaves time for games to be delayed and you're not dealing with the same kind of scheduling problems where like where, where, Oh, we actually can't move to that date because there's this other games, you know, we're going to be playing, uh, in Atlanta on that date or, you know, the situations yeah. where the scheduling and the rescheduling, if a game is canceled, if a team needs something to move, as long as it's held within one conference and one within one league office, you just get so much more flexibility. And dude, let me, this is something that actually just came to me this morning. There is no NCAA wide testing regulations and it is a worthy point that conferences might not trust each other and schools might not trust each other. That yeah. if I've got a game uh, against a school from another conference, I'm not going to have the same level of confidence that you've held the same testing protocols that we have. And the Big Ten, especially when you think about those universities and sort of where those universities sort of stand and, and consider themselves among the fine academic higher education scene, they probably are taking this first step forward to say, we are all going to agree to the same testing protocols. We are all going to, um, you know, we are all going to agree to do this and they can trust each other. And I don't think that trust is going to exist across the country. Yeah. And I, I was talking to an, uh, a son, a coach in the Sun Belt recently, and, and he was sort of like, you know, there's no, there's no, like to your point, there's no um, protocol. There's no real guidelines. We're all just sort of on our own here. And so some schools are testing, some schools are not. So even if you, even if all the SEC, for example, like if you're just Big Ten and SEC or whatever, Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 for Ohio State, Oregon, uh, you know, even if you trust those teams, you know, as the season progresses, um, you know, how do you like the 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 group of five conferences? Really, a lot of them don't may not have the the the, the money to to be testing people at such a high rate and, and in such a comprehensive way. And you know, what does that mean for the potential spread? And I don't know. Like it's it's um that's a that's a good point. Like there's a lot. The, the, the more you can keep it contained, the more flexibility you can give yourself scheduling to just get a functional season in, um, then then you just sort of have survived the, the, the fall and 
uh, hope hope for better next year. Um, so we believe that this is probably where we're headed. Then Big Ten is the leader, and other conferences then will follow as a domino effect. Yeah, I mean, you almost it almost forces their hands. I mean, I guess you know Oregon could go try to schedule. I don't know, um, whatever uh, Auburn or something. Eastern Washington. But, well, but but I'm saying like so. Oregon has no, no longer has that Ohio State schedule, so they can go. Potent, you know, I guess they can go schedule some other Power Five team if they can find them on their schedule. But I just like the, the domino is going to start to fall now, where as those games disappear, uh, yeah, I mean it's just going to be a matter of of uh, people are just going to be forced. If if, if another couple couple conferences do the same thing, then then you know everyone's hand is forced into just the conference only stuff. Mm. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. I'm Chip Patterson. We got some mailbag questions to get to today, some headlines first. And uh, Barton, before we dive in, I the, the mailbag is a goldmine of music recommendations. And we are, are not going to read all of the music recommendations uh, here in today's edition of the mailbag. But and you know we're about to talk about the the future of the season a little bit and uh, I would just say that I'm building up some great contingency plans if we need to um, if we need to go auxiliary for some uh, for some July and August shows because I think that diving into these music recommendations and reviewing them we might become the premier college football music crossover podcast. <laughs> I my uh, my proposal is. That you, that we compile every music recommendation that comes in, and I think we don't I think we exclude any mainstream artists that we've all f- are already familiar with. Any new new music, you, Tom, and I each rank them one through whatever, and we create a composite ranking, the Cover Three Music Exploration Composite Ranking, and whoever whatever. Uh, listener submitted the winner of the composites ranking gets uh, the university t-shirt of their choice. Texas A&M or uh, Barton A&M CPU or Fornelli tech. That's a great idea. We also, I mean, we've, we've got things in the work right now. We got some big announcements that'll be coming up in the coming months uh, regarding the podcast among them may or may not include merchandising opportunities. Uh, And the way that I understand it, we should be able to get some, uh, some Barton A&M for Nelly tech or CPU uh, gear going. So that is a, that's, that's a brilliant idea. I mean, this is this is how great content is created on the fly after you hit the record button at the beginning of the Cover <laughs> Three podcast. So we well, got to get to work on it, listening. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we got to get to work on listening. We'll have time for the listening because that can happen at leisure. Um, but look, everything's better when ranked. And while music is, uh, you know, like that's there's no winners and losers in music. This is a college football pod. And we are the college football subcommittee here. And so I think that we need to throw a ranking on these, these musical uh, recommendations and, and, and come up with a winner. And uh, I'm anxious to see where you guys fall in some of these because I'm, 
I'm, I'm starting to like I'll say this. For the last week, I have been listening to nothing but recommendations. So I am taking these recommendations to heart. I am not ignoring anything. I want I, I want to I want to discover what's out there. You just blew my mind. Cover three podcast. Everything's better when ranked. That's a that's a tagline, and he just gave it out for free. All right, um, let's let's get into some of the news before we get into some of those mailbag questions. We initially broached the conversation a little bit on Monday's show uh, in terms of the Ivy League's plans. The official announcement came down on Wednesday. The Ivy League will not have any uh, competition of any kind until at least January first. Now, Barton, what I found was interesting because. I had already sort of talked myself into how excited I was for Ivy League locks in the spring. Like I'd so re- really built up uh, the way that we on the Cover 3 podcast are going to be able to spotlight it. But in the announcement, there is no guarantee that football will be in the spring. There is just no sporting events uh, at the Ivy League conference level before January 1st. Now, practices can happen and workouts can happen and the current Uh, plan, according to some Ivy League coaches, includes the fact that, yes, we will be working out and practicing and preparing as if once this January 1 date passes, that we will have some kind of conference season. There will be games. There will be competition for the players on those Ivy League football teams. So, you know, your thoughts on uh, you know now that the announcement's out, now that we've got a few more details, are you... Uh, are you feeling like we are going to get some some Ivy League locks coming in the spring? Oh, man. I was so excited about Ivy League spring locks. So excited. I think I think that could be huge for the Ivy League. I was talking to another former player um, that played at Princeton here recently, and we were talking about like that would be like maybe worth – considering a permanent move to the spring just you know play the ivy league in the spring and be the only show in town and uh i don't know that could be that could be really cool but i was very disappointed a with the announcement that ivy league football it's like basically ivy league is just canceled spring or fall sports like We'll we'll reassess at a later date, but as, but there was no we have moved the season to the spring. The Yale football um, news like newsletter to the Yale football association said uh, from the head coach said that they are preparing for the fall of 2021. Um, the people I've talked to, coaches I've talked to, have told me that they're they're that they, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't expect spring football, basically, has been the message to them. And so that took something where I was trying I was trying to think of it positively, spin it in a positive light, and it wasn't, wasn't hard for me to do it, and now I'm, like, disappointed. And I think that's very Ivy League, though. Like, they – because they, they, they don't – there's no reason to – like, there's every reason to play a spring season in the Ivy League. But I think there's a fear of injuries too close to the, to the fall season mm-hmm. – Whatever. That's just the Ivy League for you. They, they, they. If they, if, if, if this pandemic has died down, and they have the opportunity to play it in the spring, and they don't, that would just be. That would suck. Because I have the 
there's been a lot of effort to try and point this to the Power Five conference. Um, and that's like the, you know, whether you're on CBS Sports HQ, whether you're on a radio hit. So what does this mean? It's like, well, well truly, I, I wonder how universities are going to... Um, it Don't you think that the Ivy League or the Big Ten or the SEC, it is really tough to be able to try and imagine how stretching all of your resources, all of your staffing, and all of your scheduling to try and take all of your fall sports, stack them on top of your spring sports, and have it all going on at the same time. Like, there's been almost uh, like some fantasy land by either like fans or media or otherwise that in, you know, I hope I am not misjudging this have, have forgotten that the same people who help put on the football games from an operation standpoint are often some of the same people that are helping put on the basketball games and the fall sports and the spring sports. And if you double them up and stack them on top of each other, I mean, there's just a resources shortage not to mention the scheduling aspect of this, of having all these things going on on campus at the same time. It's like the more that I've tried to imagine uh, spring football at the Ivy League level or spring football at any level, it is almost the the shortage of um, people and the shortage of hours and the shortage of uh, buses and travel and, and money to be able to get everything done. That seems to be, that seems to be for me, turning me off to the idea that we're going to be seeing uh, spring football at, really at all in, in 2021. Yeah. I think that's been consistent with the, the, the message from the FBS and power five as well in that the spring football thing is, is a last resort. Like they're going to, they're going to kick the can down the road a long way before they get to the spring. Um, Brandon Marcello at 24-7 Sports has done an awesome job covering this stuff. I'm just following his stuff as much as anything. And just from from the people he's talking to, you know, like there's all kinds of contingency plans in place. You know, A, plan B, C, D, E, F. Like spring football is like why? Um, you know, it's, it's plan X. Um, th- this is th- – th- the effort is going to be made – whether it's a shortened season, condensed season, late season, delayed season, season with a hole in the middle of it, like all those are going to be ruled out before a season is moved to the spring. And what you're talking about is probably a big part of it. The um, Okay, so the ACC announced on Thursday there will be no athletic competition before September 1st. That doesn't affect football. The very first uh, ACC football event is on September 2nd, though that will impact some of the other Olympic sports that had competition going on in late August. We've also started to see uh, more headlines from around the country. The University of North Carolina had to shut down their team activities because of what the county health department deemed as a cluster of positive tests. Uh, Ohio State's athletic department has also shut down all athletic department activities, though some of the reporting, you know, hasn't tied that specifically to the football program. The the way that programs are dealing with the positive tests to me indicates that these are protocols that ha- are now finally being exercised and put into place. And it actually points me to thinking that there will be some semblance of football this fall. But to your point right there, it kind of has me 
more in the mindset of, okay, so the schedule might be altered and the season might be delayed or it might be shortened. And when, you know, if we have a college football playoff, it's probably going to be where one one school only got six or seven games in one school might've got nine games in, but the, the effort to have balance and equity across college football has got to be lost just because in order for states, uh, you know, state health requirements to be followed. And that's always what these athletic directors and football coaches have said is we're going to do everything according to local uh, health official recommendations. So to follow state and county health official recommendations, you know, to follow travel restrictions, like right now, um, you know, there are here where we are, North Carolina and Tennessee, if our favorite in-state school had to go play um, up at Illinois in Champaign, we would have to quarantine for 10 to 14 days before we got there. Are those same travel restrictions still in place? Like I just, I, I see college football being pointed more towards, uh, you know, yes, we're probably going to have some football games this fall. I I just think that it's going to be a little bit more of this head on a swivel, uh, sometimes week by week, sometimes, you know, month by month, adjusted schedules, rescheduled games, maybe games get moved in terms of their location. But uh, the to me, my lesson from this week is that the efforts are being made to get this thing done safely in the fall and spring football is probably not a logistical option. Did you see Jim Harbaugh's comments? It was, it's a problem in society and football doesn't hurt it. Yeah. Something like that. There was some context when it was like fully shared that didn't seem as head in the sand on the issue. I, I actually appreciated it. Like I, it, it, because I think a lot of people, like I think Jim, what Jim Harbaugh said which was something to the effect of like we're, we're there's there there was COVID before football didn't cause this um, football I can't remember what he said but he but he also said something along the lines of we're just, this is we're just gonna have to learn to live with the virus for a while um, and 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 was was making some implications about you know playing football and it being generally safe for players and um, whatever. Um, I think like I I appreciate that he actually said it, whether whether it's true or not. Like again, I think all of this is things that we don't know, but I think a lot of people are scared to 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 say what they believe on on, on both sides, really. And so I you know I was glad at least he, an honest opinion came out about a coach that just feels like you know what we're you know. This is this is a reality that we're going to have to live with, and that we're going to have to take precautions towards. But um, you know, we we think we can keep our players safe and and play. I, I think that was the gist of the comment. I, I didn't read the entirety of it, but um, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's it, uh, again uncertainty abounds because I, I no one has the answers right now. On uh, a little, this was this was a local story uh, for me, but I was gonna, wondering whether or not it, it resonated on your level uh, of any uh, acknowledgement or takery. But your boy, yeah, Ruffin McNeil. Oh, that, it, I, I had forgotten that he was no longer at Oklahoma, and then I kind of remembered that he's he left to go, I guess, take care of a aging parent or something. Right. Um, yeah, man, that was you fired up to have him back home. Yeah, I think that that was to me it, and this is just my read of the situation. 
And I interrupted you. Ruffin McNeil. Ruffin McNeil, former ECU head coach who was unceremoniously let go uh, at a time that I did not agree with the decision. And then he went with Lincoln Riley, his former offensive coordinator from East Carolina. And he was in a defensive line coach and uh, associate head coach for Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. I remember when we were at the Orange Bowl together, you had a good time talking with Ruffin. I mean, he's just, he's just a great guy. But I see this very specifically. And as an, uh, as an assistant to the head coach, I don't know exactly where he falls in terms of the recruiting rules, but his name is gold through the eastern part of North Carolina. The 252 and even the 910 in the south and southeastern parts of the state Ruffin McNeil has some inroads. He did an incredible job at ECU of being able to find some of those under-recruited guys and be able to have connections with those high schools. And so your boy, Mac Brown, after cleaning up on in-state talent, I believe that among the many things that Ruffin McNeil can offer to Dave Dorn and the NC State coaching staff, it is a recognizable face and a very trusting name for the NC State program as NC State looks to try and get a hold uh, back on in-state recruiting after the Tar Heels have done so well so far in 2021. Well, they're, they're matching, um, they're matching like grand, like sweet grandfather with sweet grandfather with like Mac Brown. Brown. <laughs> for, for your Mac Brown, here's our Ruffin McNeil. Like you think you can sit down in a living room with the uh, mom and dad and, you know, make them feel like that uh, their family. Well, we got we got rough to do that now. So yeah, I think that's I hadn't I hadn't really thought about it like that from a recruiting standpoint. But you're probably right. Like that's that's uh, I think that might be a bigger deal than than maybe I initially thought when when the hire announcement was made. Like he can't specifically coach positions because he's not a position coach. But he can watch practice, and he can be a sounding board for Dave Doran. He can be a sounding board for the other uh, assistant coaches. There's something that comes with his experience of you know his long track record. He's he's been part of these Oklahoma staffs that have won Big Twelve titles and made it to the college football playoff. Like that is an experience that can be very beneficial for the NC State staff. But to me, as soon as I saw the news, I was like, ooh, things <laughs> just got real down in Eastern North Carolina, like in those in those rural towns where personal relationships mean everything. And like you all of a sudden that old high school coach that he had a relationship with when he was at ECU, things are going to look a little bit better for the pack. That's my prediction uh, on that side. Coming up on the other side, your questions, our answers next. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, so we, I, at least I've already, you know, we sort of hinted at the uh, general thoughts on whether or not there will be a, a spring football, but uh, this question sort of falls in line with that, so I want to go ahead and address it first. This is from Tommy. Hey guys, I'm a PSU fan and I'm worried that Micah Parsons and Pat Fryermuth might sit out if the season is delayed to spring 2021 to prep for the NFL draft. Do you agree? Which other star players do you think would sit out? And do you think a lot of players would sit out in general? I feel like this possibility hasn't been discussed much. Love the podcast. Thank you, Tom. So any player that needed this season to help their stock, I think would still have an incentive to play. Like even going so far as like Marvin Wilson, a potential first rounder last year, wanted to up his stock. And now there's, there's mixed reviews, whether he's a first rounder or not right now, but the Florida state defensive tackle, if he, he for like, he decided not to go to the NFL draft last year. So this year, he was hoping to up his stock based on his play on the field. You could make an argument that there's there's still a great opportunity to do that, um, and maybe a better opportunity to do that than there would be, you know, just to prepare for some some combine. Um, so, you know, any senior, um, redshirt junior, you know, even Pat Fryermuth, you, you know, maybe. I mean, he was technically. I think he's a true junior this year. But he was, I think, technically eligible for the draft last year, I want to say, because he like went to prep school or something. So he was three years out of high school. And he, he decided to come back. So you know, maybe you can make a case that he would, would, would want to play. I bet Micah Parsons would, would be gone. Like, I, I actually I texted the father of a rising junior that would go high in the NFL draft. Um, and I just asked him off the record. I said, if this, if there was a s- football season in the spring, would your son play or or skip the season? <laughs> and and it didn't take him long to get back to me. And he was like, Hell no, would <laughs> play. <laughs> so there is there's there there is some. That would have incentive to play, yeah. but if you're going to get drafted high based on what's already happened and you're just waiting for your your eligibility, you know, to, for you to be draft eligible, then you're probably not going to have a whole lot of reason to play in the spring, especially when then you got to turn around and play a season in the fall for in the NFL. So, you know, it, it would be – I think it would be more – a lot of people would just say no way that no one's playing. I think there would be more incentive for some people to play than maybe you at first glance, but the, the no brainer guys, I would assume all those guys are gone. So, uh, two things that stand out to me. Number one, the initial reporting is that when college football power brokers reached out to the NFL and said, Hey, if we have a delayed season, if we play in the spring, would you think about moving the NFL draft? And according to the reporting, the initial response from the NFL was no. That NFL like NFL calendar is set. We are sticking to this. We are not, you know, do whatever you want to do, 
but we are not moving the NFL draft date uh, from you know where it is. That could change. The NFL might change its opinion on that. And certainly, you know, for a player who would be draft eligible, if the NFL combine is still going to be in February and you've got a choice between going to the Underwear Olympics and earning yourself a golden dumbbell or, you know, going on uh, go <clears throat> going to uh, go ahead and um, be a part of the you know, five game season that they've got going on, then, you know, you're probably going to be going to the NFL combine and trying to make sure that you lock in, uh, you know, lock in the, the millions of dollars that might be coming with the high NFL draft pick. The other thing I thought about was baseball and baseball, like the risk in playing football and the risk in playing college baseball is very different, but like the baseball draft is right before the college world series. Yeah. And so I imagined a scenario where um, this is, you know, being approached from a position where you might be playing part of the spring football season and then all of a sudden, you know, there is uh, – you get drafted and then you go out there and play, much like at the College World Series. So I I could imagine a scenario where, like you said – someone who needed to play themselves into position, they might not go to the combine. They may decide to play with their teammates. And then we have a situation where you're in the middle of your spring football season, but at the same time you get drafted. So I could see, I could see there being a scenario where someone would be able to stick around. Um, so. All right. Uh, this is from goofy shoes. All right, Barton. I listen to this podcast every day and literally triumphantly raise my fist in front of bystanders when you mentioned loving D. Antwood and Enter the Ninja. They also starred in a movie about robots called Chappie playing themselves where they teach the robot how to be a gangsta. Might sound obscure, but it was actually a box office hit co-starring Hugh Jackman and others. Anyways, you need more house music in your life if you actually want to get work done because it's upbeat and helps you stay locked in. A couple of house examples to check out. Bonkers, Dizzy Rascal, British rapper, and Armand Van Helden, house producer. Devil in me, purple disco machine, because disco will never die. Go Bucks. I'm so glad. I got a lot of... I got a lot of... I don't know a lot. I got a few people that hit me up and were like, Listen to the Antwoord, um, worst song I've ever heard in my life. Uh, or like, that was awful. And so I'm glad someone out there appreciates the Antwoord. If you have, if you didn't like Enter the Ninja, maybe try Ugly Boy, maybe try Rich Bitch. Uh, there's, there's, they got a lot of good stuff, man. They're, they're, they're my, they're my jam. I love, <laughs> they're, they're weird as hell, but they're awesome. Uh, all right, this next question is from Chris. For the love of Tamunga Biaka Batuka, can we get Fraudulent Fernelli's name added to the intro song? The man is a gem. Recruiting question. During the current insane times, how can you explain the big jumps and drops in the rankings without camps or games to factor into evaluations? Also, curious if you've ever had a coach ask, a, ask you a question about a player's ranking. Keep bringing the heat. Uh. I feel like the Fornelli thing is like, uh, you know how on like Saved by the Bell, um, you know, they go through the cast and then at the end of it, it's like, and also, uh, 
as as Mr. Belden, um, whatever the guy's name was, I can't remember who played Mr. Belden. Um, but it's like he's the permanent like special guest, even All, though, like, also he, starring or like <laughs> also featuring, like special guest. Yeah, uh, you know, like he's very clearly part of the team, but uh, just for some reason can't get all special guest status. Uh, he, I think he's trying to sort of stick it to us right now. Both of us have babies coming soon. He's he's handling the dog today. I think he's trying to prove that we're not the only people with parenting responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably uh, right. All right, so what, what about recruiting rankings? The yeah, So this has actually been a fun cycle because – Typically, we're just constantly on the road. We're traveling. We're seeing guys at camps. We're, um, we're like moving guys based on new information, and we don't. We just don't have the time to dig into the film like we have this cycle. So this cycle, we have we have dug into the film, had more eyes on the film, compared it position by position, compared it state by state, talked to college coaches to get an idea for their board and why, who they like, who they don't, and why, and it's been. Granted, the information has been limited, and so it's been there's been some some obstacles. But I think the moves have been essential, like to us continuing to get the rankings accurate. Because the idea is, when you first put a ranking out, there's just an acknowledgement that it's it's wrong, like based on how like it's just impossible to see everybody, and it's impossible to to consume everyone and digest it all. And so uh, it, it, it's a process to then that's just like a starting point. And then it's a process to sort through that over the next multiple years. And that process is continuing even without camps and getting more accurate by the day. And, and yes, coaches ask about rankings all the time. Um, not, not, not necessarily – I still – like th- there is no misconception. Like coaches do not recruit off of rankings. Um, but they're interested in them. And they're, they'll be interested in why a guy drops what, or you know, why a guy moves up and um, – we ask for their opinion and they ask for ours. Um, and so there's, there's definitely com- com- discussion about rankings for sure. All right. And final question. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of lo- Oregon's local writers begin to discuss this class as one of the best offenses, cl- offensive classes in the country with rising stars like Ty Thompson and Troy Franklin and the bundle of four-star receivers that have committed and also having crystal balls for the likes of Xavier Worthy, Deontay Thompson and Kingsley, Samatasha? Yeah, I'm not sure how to say his last name yet either. All right, Kingsley Samatasha. Could could end up being the the best offensive class for 2021. And if not, who are the ones that stand out as the best? Also, my song recommendation is Working Man, Larry Fleet. I love – by the way, I love that everyone's like a music expert in their own mind. (laughs) And it's – but it's awesome though. Like they – you should be like, I love the passion people have for their, their little, their little music, um, music mentality. Uh, I think Oregon's class is awesome. Troy Franklin is a stud at receiver. Ty Thompson. We just saw him at the lead 11. He's a beast. I think he's going to be Oregon's next quarterback after Tyler Shuck, uh, assuming that Shuck wins that job. Um, and then they, they're, they're, they're going to put together a really good class on the offensive line, uh, per usual. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is they're, – they're number one in the Pac-12. They're top five in the country. Um, they – you know, they've got a – Xavier Worthy is, is sort of starting to trend towards Michigan or Alabama at this point as opposed to Oregon. But nonetheless, this is uh, 
a really, really good class for Oregon offensively. Uh, other good offensive classes, I think, you know, Oklahoma's putting a good one together. Um, again, um, Alabama's starting to put a good one together. Uh, the, the, the usual suspects. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson's probably got a good offensive class. Yeah. Um, Ohio State has a great offensive class. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're richer, are getting richer for sure. Congratulations, Oregon. You've entered that top tier. All right. Yeah. He is Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Barton, thank you very much. All right, man. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.